David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is Thursday, February the 6th. 2020, and this is episode 194 of Bitcoin, and the trust chain is still lost. This one may be unrecoverable. We're we're not sure. We're we're looking into it, but as of right now, I got uh, two tweets here that that kind of out. I don't know. Draw a picture of the general sentiment here. Uh, crypto news that says multiple Bitcoiners have unsuc- are unsuccessfully trying to reach Jack Dorsey about the LN trust chain too. Um, this is, oh, good Lord, crypto news. Uh, Jack Dorsey unreachable as Bitcoiners deal with lightning torch confusion. This is written by John Buck, February the 5th for CryptoNews.com. He says, Twitter founder and CEO Jack Dorsey still has not confirmed that he was awarded the second lightning torch on Tuesday and does not respond to multiple requests by Bitcoiners. It's probably because he's busy. That's the problem with sending something like the lightning torch to Jack Dorsey through tipping me. The man barely has time, I would imagine. I mean, from what I hear, the dude doesn't sleep, so I don't know. Exactly a year ago, Dorsey received the first iteration of the torch, which has become a popular symbol in the world of Bitcoin and passed it on. However... The newest pass of the, to the CEO is something of a mistake since the Twitter founder never requested the torch. Without a request, there's no invoice for the transaction as is customary in these transactions. With no invoice, Dorsey has no obligation to pass the torch along. In other words, a Twitter user may have just donated a pile of Satoshis to Dorsey. Almost immediately after Pictosis, co-founder Xavier Itulde confirmed he sent the torch to Dorsey. Twitter exploded with responses. Many users expressed shock. The passer wasn't aware of the purpose of procedures or, or procedures of transferring the torch. <laughs> Jesus, God, good God. Uh, only Dorsey can pass the torch, and that can only occur if he's willing to participate in the trust chain again. In either case, interlude. Interlead, interal, interalde, yeah, interalde, I T U R R A L D E claims he has a backup of the torch in case the CEO does not pass it. Meanwhile, multiple Bitcoiners are unsuccessful in trying to reach the CEO. Oh my God, they've got my tweet up here. <laughs> I just. I just noticed that. Oh my God. Yes, apparently Nunya Business uh, at BEND77 says, you, at Jack, you have the LN Trust Chain 2 via at tippin underscore dot or underscore me sent to you without you asking for it. Can you confirm and then send it on its way? Uh, there's some other people here. Uh, Christopher Perea says, you have the power with a gift. 
Uh, Tippin has actually got into it and says, "Hey, Jack," and then sent them the uh, the tweet from uh, Teralde and a couple of other a couple of other tweets from us who are trying to get the attention of a CEO of one of the largest companies in the world. Good luck. <clears throat> <laughs> the concept of the lightning torch was conceived by Twitter user and crypto pundit Hodelanot, also known for his conflict with Craig Wright. Yeah, we'll talk about Craig Wright a little bit later. The idea of the torch was intended to show a chain of trust among Bitcoin users. Each recipient passes the torch, blah, blah, blah. You know how this, how this works. Um, again, this is probably the most screwed up way to, to extinguish the torch. And I got to admit, of all, I mean, essentially the only way we've seen before to extinguish the torch is to steal it. And the thing keeps getting relit. This is, this one is in, it, this one's special. Uh, this is a, this is a special case. I've uh, never seen anything like this one before, but again, okay, to, to you know, none of the, none of the Bitcoin or Lightning Network haters listen to this show, which is cool. But, you know, I, I will just say this. I'm not all that upset. I, I'm just not. Without these kinds of experiments going on, then we don't know where potential problems uh, that can affect other things might be. In my opinion, this is kind of an important f- screw up. It really is. Uh, it's. It, I mean, yeah, we can bitch and moan and cry and, and all about it, but... You know, did anybody ever think about the fact that you could just send the torch to somebody via tipping me? In in a way, it's without that invoice, like the the uh, crypto news story said. Without that invoice, man, it's is it really the lightning torch? I don't know. I mean, I'm still a big proponent of this of of, of the lightning torch, clearly, but I'm also not all that. Again, I'm not all that upset that this has occurred because it demonstrates something that I don't think a lot of us kind of thought about. I mean, I don't know. I think it's important. I think what's occurred here is important for us to keep track of uh, and see see what happens. Because let's say Jack figures it out, goes into his tip and me, finds the, the transaction, I mean, because there's no lightning invoice at this point, it finds the transaction. And then is, I mean, will it really be the torch? If he says, look, I've got it sent, you know, I've got the Satoshis, send me an invoice. Let's get this thing cleared up. Will it actually be cleared up? Because it, because there was a break in the chain of no invoice. I don't know. I mean, seems kind of odd, but whatever. Um, it just is, you know, hell, it just is what it is. So um, the trust chain, too, is in limbo, still in Jack's hands. Let's just go ahead and roll right into vitals. Uh, oh, uh, BitInfoCharts.com has Bitcoin at an average of $9,767. We have a high, looks like it's going to be over at BitAsset at 9930 the low appears to be at hit BTC at 9,800 and oh, wait a minute. No, our, sorry. It's not the average. It is our low. I just wish they, they would tell it where, uh, where the low was coming from. Uh, the 9,767 is not the average. It is the actual low. I just don't know where it's coming from. 
338,000 transactions sent in the last 24 hours with about 14,000 transactions being sent per hour. <clears throat> Almost, whoa, 1.5 million BTC were sent in the last 24 hours with 60,242 BTC being sent on average per hour. That's $60 million being sent every hour. The total, you know, just for shits and giggles here, the total is... 14 billion 122 million dollars worth of bitcoin have been sent in the last 24 hours holy shit uh the average transaction value is 4.27 btc the median is 0.027 btc or about 260 bucks block time is pegged right at 10 minutes according to bitinfo charts but my node probably says different one or 0.17 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. Almost 25 BTC have been taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. We've had a 10 and a quarter percent increase in hash rate. We are sitting just below 120 exahashes per second. And the last time somebody did not develop on Bitcoin was this morning. So there you go. No development happening there. Ethereum is 213, Bcash is 438, BSV is 295, Litecoin is at 73.38, Ethereum Classic is just a hair under 12 bucks, Dogecoin got a hell of a bump, 0.0026, and at 27,000 transactions per second, it's not beating anybody. So let's see what my note has to say about hash rate and whatnot. Close. I'm at, I'm showing 111.3 exahashes per second. I'm showing a pretty, a pretty big mempool. Let me just refresh this just, you know, just to be current. Nope, hasn't changed. Uh, unconfirmed transactions uh, sitting in the mempool uh, weighing in at 21.38 megabytes. So pretty, pretty hefty. And about 12,000 unconfirmed transactions all the blocks are full. Let's go to Lightning. We have 11,351 nodes, 36,000 channels, and a network capacity, which has dropped uh, 867.6 BTC, representing about $8.4 million in, in liquidity. We were at 8,800. So we've had like about 13, you know, somewhere between 13 and 15 BTC pulled out of the liquidity pool there. We have 24 nodes that came online that are brand new in the last 24 hours. That's a 30% drop uh, on a day-over-day -day basis. And the amount of new channels that came online is also a, uh, well, is a 22.5% drop. But 194 new channels did come online in the last 24 hours. There's your torchlight and vital statistics. <music> First up is a, a CoinSpeaker article by Steve Muchoki. This was written this morning. Jack Dorsey-backed Lightning Labs secures $10 million to create Visa-like network for Bitcoin. Through a Medium blog post, Lightning Labs CEO and co-founder Elizabeth Stark announced that the tech company had raised a $10 million Series A capital. The raised capital will be used to further its Lightning payment system project that is being implemented on Bitcoin transactions and also to bring new developers into their payroll. 
According to Stark, the raised capital is not a big accomplishment in itself. Rather, it's a means they have secured to achieve their original goal of scaling up instant BTC transactions to millions of users worldwide. Quote, we're building the Visa network for Bitcoin. But what I think is powerful is, unlike Visa, anybody can build on top of it, explained the CEO. Per the announcement, the Jack Dorsey-backed company launched its major product, the Beta of Lightning Loop which they have been working on for quite a long period. Lightning Loop being the first paid product from the company, it is expected to raise the company's investment valuation. According to the announcement report by Alex Bosworth on Medium, Lightning Loop is a service that facilitates faster transactions on Bitcoin between LN, or Lightning Network, and the blockchain. The released version came with notable improvements like time preference discounts, authentication tokens, a complete developer API, volume discounts, increased transaction limits, and also improved stability. After a successful market testing of the Alpha Loop out, Lightning Labs released the full pack in June where they added the non-custodial loop in the system. Since then, the developer team has been improving the service in order to be able to provide liquidity services that is faster and cheaper compared to the ones on the market. The new loop beta will employ the batching techniques when dealing with multiple Bitcoin transactions. This will reciprocate to lower transaction fees and a fast, secure blockchain system in the market. Loop beta is being considered as a major roadmap to the lightning technology that blockchain has not fully exhausted its capabilities. Businesses using Lightning technology have already begun using the beta loop through the back-end integration tools. According to Stark, Lightning Labs has witnessed a tremendous rise in the startup businesses that use Lightning technology. She even went ahead to state that they are too many to list. With the vast application of Lightning technology, the beta loop is considered to be used by crypto wallets, video game companies, and also financial and trading products. For a long time since the first crypto asset was invented, the crypto community will see the problems encountered by Bitcoin solved. Issues revolving around transaction fees and time might be solved once and for all. Depending on how the market embraces beta loop, its enrollment will be gradual until fully competing with other payment systems in the market. So there there you go. Uh, More stuff that's not being done on Bitcoin, apparently. Uh, exchange deposits in Bitcoin slide to lowest level in three years. Now, don't freak out, okay? That's actually, in my opinion, that's good. Also happens to be the opinion of Coindesk, even though they kind of, eh, it's in a roundabout way for them, I guess. <laughs> Umkar Godbol is writing for Coindesk sometime yesterday. <clears throat> the number of Bitcoin on-chain deposits has dropped sharply over the last six months, indicating a strong optimistic or hodling sentiment in the market. The seven-day average of the number of transfers to exchange addresses or unique daily exchange deposits fell to 23,986 on January the 1st. That's the lowest level since November 2016 and comes after topping out at 58,925 at the end of June 2019, according to crypto analytics firm Glassnode. The number has since inched up to 27,289 as of February the 4th. Notably, the count of deposits dropped by 60% in the second half of 2019, even as prices collapsed from 13,800 to 6,425. During violent price drops, investors usually move their coins to exchanges to sell them in the market. However, 
Investors held on to the coins during the second half of 2019 despite the price slide. It indicates increased hodling, a sign of strengthening belief in the long-term viability of the cryptocurrency, according to Ashish Shingal, CEO and co-founder of CruxPay and Coinswitch.co. Quote, Hodlers are not in it for a get-rich-quick mentality and are now less phased by micro-factors that previously led to an exodus or panic sell. Nicholas Pelicanos, advisor to NIM Ventures, sees the slowdown in trading and on-chain transaction volumes as indicative of a not-so-healthy market in the short term. Quote, a divergence between on-chain transaction volume and price appreciation has typically been a bearish signal, Pelicanos told Coindesk. Bitcoin price rallied by 30% in January, diverging higher from the count of transfers to exchange addresses, which remain near multi-year lows hit on January the 1st. Although the number of transfers to exchanges declined, the number of transactions recently saw an upswing along with price. The seven-day average of transactions jumped from 290,000 on January the 6th to a three-month high of 324,000 on February the 3rd. That investors hoarded coins in January amid a price rally suggests strong bullish sentiment among investors. If they had doubted the sustainability of the recent price gains, they would have moved their coins to exchanges to sell them at market price, leading to a rise in exchange deposits. Bitcoin will undergo mining re- a mining reward having in May of 2020. The process aims to curb inflation by reducing rewards per block mined by 50%. When it occurs, the block rewards will drop to 6.25 BTC from the current 12 and a half. Uh, Bitcoin has picked up a bid ahead. Uh, probably a bit. Bitcoin has picked up a bit ahead of the supply cutting event. The cryptocurrency is currently trading at 9,400, representing a 46% gain on December's low of 6,425. And I can't believe that was just in December. Man, this shit just goes by really, really fast. Okay, I, as promised, more Craig Wright. <laughs> and this one, I mean, it's like. The guy is nothing but, you know, if he's if he's nothing, he is certainly full of surprises, right? I mean, so here we go. This is Bitcoinist.com's Ricardo Martinez writing on the third. Now, I meant to do this on, give this to you guys on Tuesday, but somehow or another, it slipped through the cracks. But be that as it may, here we go. In the latest dramatic turn of events in the Kleeman versus Wright lawsuit, Craig Wright has claimed attorney-client privilege over 11,000 documents from over a dozen companies he was formerly involved with. Wright has also claimed that the infamous bonded courier was an attorney. And so, therefore, his communications are privileged and cannot be shared. (laughs) The latest update in the Craig Wright versus Ira Kleeman lawsuit is a plot twist straight out of Matlock or Law & Order. Craig's history of legal theatrics is only becoming more tangled, a complex web of obfuscation. In in this last release of information regarding the case, Craig Wright has tried to assert attorney-client privilege over documents from more than a dozen companies in which he was involved. The court has requested many documents from these companies as a way to verify some of Craig's outlandish claims. Craig has tried to claim that over 11,000 documents are protected by attorney-client privilege when it suits him, and then simultaneously tried to claim that he has no control over the companies and cannot access the documents when it does not. (laughs) 
He is using the claim of privilege as both a shield and a sword, depending on the circumstances, as the latest motion puts it. Out of the companies Mr. Wright has claimed privilege for, all are dissolved except Enchain and two others, so Wright's claim of privilege is invalid according to existing case law. Attorney-client privilege can extend after death for a human being, but not for a legal person, which no longer exists, like a dissolved corporation. Perhaps the most absurd turn of events is Mr. Wright's claim that the infamous bonded courier who was supposed to provide him with the private keys for Satoshi's Bitcoin is actually also an attorney and is therefore protected under attorney-client privilege. This renders the alleged attorney unable to provide more information about the courier or the circumstances surrounding the elusive private keys. This outlandish claim about the bonded courier also being an attorney would not be the first time Craig may have lied. (laughs) May have lied. Okay. May have lied about owning private keys (laughs) to the substantial amount of Bitcoin. In a prior document that he filed in court, he claimed he owned the private keys to a wallet, wallet address given here, which was owned by an anonymous Bitcoin whale. Much to Craig's surprise, the anonymous owner of that wallet address signed a message with a private key that said address and then gives the address does not belong to Satoshi or to Craig Wright. Craig is a liar and a fraud. Mr. Wright initially claimed that the bonded courier would arrive January 1st, 2020 with the private keys held in the Tulip Trust and that he would have access to Satoshi's coins. When the 1st of January finally rolled around, he presented a list of 16,000 addresses to the court and claimed the courier brought him a list of addresses, not the private keys themselves. Many of the documents Craig has provided in court have been discredited or proven to be forgeries. He has perjured himself with his testimony and otherwise acted belligerently in court. It is uncertain how much longer the judge will tolerate his lack of cooperation and lack of good faith. Well, he can do that forever because he has he's not cooperative and he doesn't have any faith. I mean, he's he's a liar and a fraud. What do you what do you expect for this guy? It's like it's like the scorpion riding on the back of the whatever crossing the river and stings it and the dude carrying the scorpion across says, well, "Now we're both dead. Why'd you sting me?" And it's like, "Dude, I'm a scorpion. What would you expect?" I mean, man, in 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 my estimation, I do believe that Craig, aside from all of his other potentially potential neurological issues that he has going on upstairs, I think he has a, a legal form of Munchausen's by proxy syndrome. And if you don't know what Munchausen Munchausen by proxy is, um, where somebody will purposely keep one sick in an effort to continuously be in the presence of medical. Uh, medical people. That's not the only only um, uh, definition of that, but the being in hospitals, doctors' offices, uh, getting to the point where they can administer shots and stuff themselves to people that they are purposely get, getting you know keeping uh, ill. That's a that's just, that really looks like what's going on with with Craig. That he's purposely doing shit so that he can continuously be in court. Because maybe he always wanted to be a lawyer. I mean, he says he has a law degree, but I, I, I doubt the veracity of that. I mean, you could even shove a piece of paper in my face that he said he got it from, you know, Larry's legal backyard law school or whatever. But I know that doesn't 
that doesn't do anything for me. But I really do. I think the guy's sick. I think he actually has like some kind of weird psychological issue that just he has found a place for him to exist that he feels comfortable in. And that happens to be being at odds with a federal judge in a federal court. Good luck to you, Craig. Good luck, man. And apparently Justin's son finally gets his just desserts, but not in the way that that sounds. Tron's Justin's son finally gets a $4.5 million dinner with Warren Buffett. This is Coindesk's Patty Baker writing sometime this morning. The Tron Foundation announced Thursday that Sun met the chairman and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway for dinner at Buffett's suggestion at a private country club in his home city of Omaha, Nebraska on January the 23rd. Sun brought several guests, including Litecoin creator Charlie Lee, eToro CEO Yanni Asia, as well as CFO of Huobi, Chris Lee, and head of the Binance Charity Foundation, Helen High. In a statement after the dinner, Sun said it was really an honor, and I'm grateful for Mr. Buffett's dinner, wisdom, and vision. He added that he would take Mr. Buffett's advice and guidance to make Tron a better ecosystem. Business, business with all the partners in the blockchain space and beyond, though, he did not provide specifics. Buffett has auctioned off a charity dinner with himself every year since 2000 and participants' funds directed toward charity. Sun placed a record-breaking $4.5 million bid at the Glide Foundation last year. While his dinner had been originally scheduled for late of July 2019, Sun postponed days before, claiming to have fallen ill with kidney stones. A Chinese media outlet reported the day after the dinner's postponement that Sun was under investigation by local authorities and was not allowed to leave China, though Sun later appeared to be in San Francisco in a video live stream. He later apologized for over-marketing the dinner, claiming it had a negative influence with regulators and the public. Buffett has been highly skeptical of cryptocurrencies, once famously referring to Bitcoin as rat poison squared. That's just the most insane insult ever. I mean, that's not, that's like something a six-year-old would say, right? Although Tron declined to comment on what was discussed over dinner, Sun had originally said he hoped the meal would bridge the gap between institutional and traditional investors in the realm of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Buffett's assistant did not immediately return a request for comment. I'm sure Warren Buffett is just glad that this whole thing is finally over, and maybe he'll rethink about auctioning off having dinner with himself in the near future. Dorsey's Square goes in on $14 million for crypto settlement startup. This is Jeff Benson writing for Decrypt sometime yesterday. Transparent has gone from stealth to Series A. Transparent Financial Systems, a cryptographic settlement solutions company for business, announced today that it had secured $14 million in Series A funding. Pantera Capital led the round. Square, the Jack Dorsey-funded mobile payment company, joined in, as did Barry Silbert's Digital Currency Group. Additional funders included CMT Digital, Future Perfect Ventures, and IDEO Collab Ventures. Not much is yet known about Transparent. A blog post dated today, February the 5th, is titled Hello World and states that Transparent wants to help companies lower risks and costs related to USD settlements. It also indicated that it's been kicking around since 2018 when it split off from Vulcan Incorporated, the late Paul Allen's philanthropic organization. 
Little wonder that the Seattle-based firm's seed financing worth $8 million came from Vulcan Capital, a for-profit impact investment wing interested in clean and sustainable, sustainable investments. As part of the Series A deal, Pantera and Future Perfect will take place alongside Vulcan on Transparent's board. However, all eyes are on Square, which may be positioned to not just profit off of Transparent's tech, but also to use it. Last year, it filled out its Square crypto team with hires from Google, Facebook, and Lightning Labs. And if there were any doubts about its desire to get into Bitcoin in January, it won a patent for converting fiat payments into digital currency. Mike Brock, in charge of strategic development for Square's Cash App, gave the standard endorsement of cryptocurrency's underlying technology in the press release. Square, oh, sorry, quote, Square believes that blockchain represents a path forward or towards a more robust, safe, and empowering future for all participants in the economy, from individuals to businesses. So there you go. Now, my question is, is this shit coinery? It, I don't know, man. I, I, I clearly, I, I'm not a big fan of this, but I, you know, Jack's going to do what Jack's going to do. So we'll have to continue to watch the man and see just how many toes he decides to dip into the cesspool that is altcoins. Bitcoin achieves major milestone with half a billion transactions confirmed. Ting Pang is writing for Cointelegraph sometime yesterday. The Bitcoin network has surpassed 500 million transactions since going live over 11 years ago. According to blockchain analytics site Satoshi, there may have been half a billion transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain as of press time. Crypto firm Casa CTO Jameson Lopp, co-founder and CTO site Satoshi, celebrated the milestone on Twitter saying, Today, as of block, and then they give... They give the block hash. At height 616,064, Bitcoin surpassed 500 million transactions confirmed on the blockchain. The first ever Bitcoin transaction took place on January the 12th, 2009. Nakamoto and the late Hal Finney were the early contributors to the project. Nakamoto sent Finney 10 BTC as a test, after which the computer scientist began mining blocks himself. That must have been when he said running Bitcoin. Ten months later, on October the 5th, 2009, the new Liberty Standard set an initial Bitcoin exchange rate against the dollar. At the time, one dollar was worth 2,300 BTC. God, could you imagine? The first ever transaction of Bitcoin for physical goods took place on May the 22nd, 2010. The famous Bitcoin pizza saw two pizzas bought for 10,000 BTC by Laszlo, uh, Hanix, I think is the way you pronounce his last name. The programmer had offered users on a Bitcoin talk forum, the BTC, in exchange for two pizzas. A teenager named Jerry Studevant, nicknamed Jerkos, accepted the Bitcoin and sent Hanix two pizzas from Papa John's. This marks the first commercial transaction for Bitcoin. After 11 years, Bitcoin is now hitting another major milestone of passing half a billion transactions. As Twitter, Twitter user Hodelanot tweeted, quote, Bitcoin isn't talking about this or how about or how revolutionary and unprecedented its traits of censorship, resistance and immutability are. Bitcoin just is and does one block at a time, end quote. That's sage shit from Hodelanot right there, man. Um, yeah, 500,000 transactions, half a billion transactions. And, you know, 
the I think they're actually wrong because it, people keep saying that the first ever transaction was Laszlo's uh, uh, Bitcoin pizza purchase. I'm not sure that that's true because I distinctly remember a pair of wool, uh, alpaca wool socks being the first transaction done, but maybe they were just so close that it's, it's hard to tell which one actually occurred. The whole space is moving so fast. It's hard to keep up anyway. And certainly the history from that long ago must be, if we think it's muddy today, man, the historians are going to have a bitch teasing this thing apart, right? All right, the Daily Hodel, uh, their staff is writing that BTC is fresh and it will pay to get in early, crypto titan Cameron Winklevoss says. This was sometime this morning. Early cryptocurrency adopter Cameron Winklevoss, founder of Winklevoss Capital Management, says he believes Bitcoin is still in its early days and investing in BTC will pay off to those who are patient. In a message to his 167,000 Twitter followers, Winklevoss, owner of the pop popular U.S.-based crypto exchange Gemini, reminds crypto enthusiasts to focus on the math. Quote, there are less than 21 million Bitcoin than there are millionaires in the world today. There are 36 million. It will pay to be an early Bitcoin adopter, end quote. But given Bitcoin's meteoric rise, along with the tales of Lambo-driving millionaires and geeky teens who got in when Bitcoin was trading for just $100 because MIT administrators gave them one BTC each, observers on the outside often speculate that all of the upside is over. Responding to a comment from a skeptical Twitter user who cautions that it may be too late to invest now and that the leading cryptocurrencies early days might be over. Winklevoss counters, quote, nope, still early days, end quote. <laughs> nice, short, to the, to the point. I like that. In a new interview with Yahoo Finance, Tom Lee, partner and head of research at Fundstrat Global Advisors, charts Bitcoin's trend moving forward, quote, we're really optimistic on crypto and Bitcoin this year. Whenever Bitcoin breaks back into its 200-day, its average six-month gain is 197%. Lee points out that Bitcoin was the best-performing asset class last year by a factor of three. The Bitcoin bull adds that his firm thinks the return to tw in 2020 will be even stronger because of geopolitical uncertainty and tension, including the deadly coronavirus, upcoming catalysts such as the halving event in which the reward for new blocks is reduced by half. Actually, mining new Bitcoin blocks is reduced by 50%, slowing new supply and fundamental technologies developing in the space. So there's that one. This other one from the Daily Hodel says, Wall Street Group urges IRS to let people buy coffee with Bitcoin and crypto without getting taxed. Don't tax me, bro. February the 5th, Daily Hodel staff says, if you have a few dollar bills or a bit of Bitcoin and want to buy a cup of coffee, Opting for the latter payment option can trigger a capital gains tax. Crypto advocates and entrepreneurs from the New York-based nonprofit Wall Street Blockchain Alliance are joining a chorus of digital asset enthusiasts who are pushing to make crypto payments as commonplace as credit cards or cash. They've issued a letter to the Internal Revenue Service urging the current agency to do more to incentivize consumers to spend their Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Bcash on bagels or tea. 
Their solution, drop the capital gains tax on small purchases. Currently, the IRS classifies crypto as property, not currency, and the smallest purchases could trigger a capital gain or loss. That means paperwork and accounting. From pizza to popcorn to movie tickets, crypto users have to fill out Form 8949 to report sales and other dispositions of capital assets. Critics argue that the current guidelines place an unfair burden on people who are trying to exercise their right to use the payment method of their choice and that by taxing the use of Bitcoin for bubblegum is discriminatory, impedes widespread adoption, and scares off the average consumer. Today's guidelines also protect legacy payment giants like Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal, which process transactions tied to the U.S. dollar. Unlike Bitcoin, Visa allows a shopper to buy dental floss or a pair of underwear without having to report and pay capital gains, effectively handling or handing traditional systems a competitive advantage over innovative platforms that use crypto to move money. Data, sorry, January 2020, the WSBA letter states, quote, Given that the underlying purpose of many crypto assets ranging from traditionally decentralized options such as Bitcoin to more centrally organized stablecoins is to serve as an alternative currency option, the current accounting taxonomy, classification, and tax treatment seems inappropriate. Classifying crypto assets as property creates additional compliance and reporting requirements that seem to neither add value to the taxpayer nor merchant accepting crypto assets as payments for goods and services. Realizing that there is no definitive crypto asset guidance as yet issued by the Financial Accounting Standards Board, the IRS should or could consider establishing a de minimis exemption for both individuals and merchants in quote. As of now, U.S. taxpayers are expected to declare, to declare their cryptocurrency transactions for 2019. They are also being asked for the first time to tell the IRS if they have interacted with Bitcoin or any of its many digital cousins through the purchase, sale, exchange, or acquisitions of cryptocurrencies in 2019. The Blockchain Alliance also drills down on crypto as a new technology with many facets. While convenient for the IRS to simply or simplify digital currencies by tagging all of them as property, the WSBA says that decision purposefully overlooks a number of distinctions and complexities. Quote, for example, if an exchange holds various crypto assets as an integral component of its core business operations, such as crypto ATM firms or crypto exchanges might, these crypto assets serve a different purpose than those held by other market actors. Additionally, crypto assets that are traded on a continuous basis versus those held as part of a longer-term portfolio diversification strategy serve different purposes and seemingly should be treated differently from a tax and reporting perspective. Building on the differentiation inherent to how various crypto assets are used by taxpayers, there seems to be a need for increased clarification connected to what criteria should be used to determine tax treatment, i.e. ordinary income versus capital gains, end quote. You can check out all of the full WSBA letter here and here clearly is a lake. So, yeah, taxes. I mean, that's one way that governments can definitely uh, squash it, right? Because everybody's like trying to figure out, you know, how, how does... 
how do they, how do you kill Bitcoin? Because you got to be adversarial in the space. If you're not thinking adversarially like all the time, then you get into a false sense of security, and that's when you get your head chopped off. So all of us really should be thinking seriously all the time about how do you kill Bitcoin. Taxes is, is would be one way to do it. However, m- one of my working theses, for lack of a better phrase, is that the fi- global financial system is so royally screwed. And it's not like it's not like they don't know, like the guys that have actually done this, the, the people that are in charge of, of central banking and the BIS and all that. It's not like they're completely unaware, even though they 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 their actions certainly seem like they're unaware. But I'll bet you that there's more than a few handfuls of people that really understand what's going on. Bitcoin represents a chance to unwind all this shit in some weird way. And if they're just going to continue to ignore it and try to squash it and kick the can down the road, then that's just going to make the flip all the more frightening to everybody that's in power. And that's going to suck for them. If they don't want their future to suck so bad, chances are real good. Yeah, you should probably just take a hands-off approach on Bitcoin and buy the living crap out of it so that you can buy a Citadel. Colin Harper is writing for Bitcoin Magazine, the seven safest havens for establishing your Bitcoin Citadel. Imagine for a moment that Bitcoin really does hit $1 million. You and many of your internet friends are now dummy rich. So what do you do with this newfound wealth? Well, sure, you could buy out the rainbow room and enough drugs to drown an elephant, Maybe you take a lavish vacation to the Caribbean. Perhaps you make some sensible moves and pay off a debt or two. You might even buy a Lambo, as the old meme goes. Or, more responsibly, you might begin outfitting your citadel. In medieval and renaissance parlance, a citadel is a fortress whose lord typically has dominion over a small parcel of land and a rabble of vassals. For a Bitcoiner's purpose, a citadel serves the same function as it did centuries ago. Protection. The concept of a personal Bitcoin citadel has emerged as a speculative evolution of self-sovereignty, safety precautions like private key, cold storage, fireproof safes for hardware wallets, and running of personal nodes. It has inspired a time traveler's note on r slash Bitcoin, served as an illustration for Bitcoiners' vision of utopia, and of course, manifested itself into its fair share of memes. As you find yourself in possession of this vast fortune, you're going to want to protect it and yourself, but a regular house won't do. No, you've got a taste for the lavish now. So if you're going to wall yourself off to protect you and yours, it's damned well going to be in an impregnable fortress that can survive kingdom come. So, assuming hyper-Bitcoinization happens, or Bitcoin just freaking rips to the moon, here are a few domains to consider. One, Chateau Austin. Perched above the Lake of Austin in the Lone Star State of Texas, rest a fortress built for a medieval siege. The 12,500-square-foot house sits on 3.6 acres of woodland. Concrete walls reinforce the home's amenities, a pool, indoor sports arena, and artist studio. Belia Posh, contemporary dwelling that's wrapped in castle-tier fortifications. <clears throat> 
A 200-foot bridge traverses the forest canopy, enveloping the plot to a boathouse astride Lake Austin. The lake is a definite plus with this property, which, along with reliable access to fresh water, also provides geographic protection. Cost? Hmm. 560 Bitcoin. (laughs) Whoa, dude. Columbia Island. About a 30-minute boat ride from Manhattan, New York, a self-sufficient private island waits for a new Bitcoining tenant. On the island sits a four-bedroom, two-bathroom, 5,625-square-foot citadel, which is outfitted with solar panels, sewage, in-floor radiant heating, and reverse osmosis water filtration system. It also includes a dock for smaller boats and landscaped decking to prevent the island from flooding. Should be sustainable through the year 3000. Cost? 1,388 Bitcoin. The Hard Luck Castle Mine. Want a Bitcoin citadel that can take a beating? Well, this 8,000-square-foot behemoth with 16-inch thick concrete and reinforced steel walls might be the punching bag you're looking for. Isolated in the Nevada desert, 200 miles from Vegas and another 150 miles from the nearest hospital, this modern-day fortress is outfitted for the worst. The thing runs off... The grid solar and wind energy with a diesel generator for backup. It also has a 4,000-gallon reserve water tank, rain catchment system, and a 3,000-gallon propane tank for heating. By all rights, this citadel is nearly apocalypse-proof. It even has a watchtower. Cost? 64 Bitcoin. Man, this thing looks nice, too, man. Silo Home in Saranac, New York. Okay, now do you want something that can really take a beating? A vestige of the Cold War, this 1,600-foot-square home looks like an ordinary woodland cabin in upstate New York. But underneath, an additional 2,300 square feet of living space occupies what used to be the launch control of a decommissioned nuclear silo. This converted grotto, complete with kitchen, jazz room, dining room, entertaining area, and jacuzzi, sits 125 feet below the surface of the earth and is wrapped in steel mesh reinforced concrete. Go, good luck getting a cell signal down there, pal. A 2,000-pound steel door leads to the defunct silo that is used to, ha- used to house the weapons, which now, at 180 feet below the ground, can serve as a much more than adequate fallout shelter in the event of some apocalyptic disaster. Oh, and the property has a runway and hangar as well, just in case. Cost? 80 Bitcoin. <clears throat> Nestled in the ridges of Los Angeles, California, this four-story, 7,700-square-foot hilltopper was built with military-grade defense uh, structures like missile-proof glass. Missile-proof glass, guys. Oh, my God. It is outfitted with a network of safe rooms and safe cores. Extra rooms, which can be sealed off from the rest of the house. The roof features a helipad for a quick getaway. All in a home that includes an entertainment deck with a barbecue pit, a modern kitchen, and a wood-fired pizza oven, a spa, and other amenities that vary safety with luxury. Cost? 427 Bitcoin. Hogwarts. No, seriously, dude. Hogwarts. Did you know that the famed castle of Harry Potter lore is not located in the Scottish Highlands, but curiously, in Alcona, Michigan? The 20,000-square-foot castle features 542 bedrooms, an absurd dearth of bathrooms, 4.5, and overlooks four 
40,000 acres plus. It's perched on a craggy cliff face, infused with all the charm and magic that defines the fantasy series it represents. This fortress is honeycombed with secret passages and hidden alleyways, perfect for keeping intruders puzzled in a labyrinth abode. My question is, does it have a dungeon? You're going to need one. Cost? 10,681 Bitcoin. Cave K, Bahamas. What could be better than a private island citadel combo than one situated in the crystalline waters of the Caribbean? Cave Bay, Bahamas is a 222-acre private island complete with 2,800-foot landing strip and concrete dock that can accommodate up to 35 seafaring vessels. It comes with a reverse osmosis water purifier and diesel generators and can also support solar power for optimum self-sufficiency. The main house, which offers a panoramic view of the island, will soon be accompanied by a clubhouse, restaurant, and guest accommodations for your posse, too. Cost, 6,408 Bitcoin. So, if you can't find your post-apocalyptic or just post-moon personal Bitcoin citadel among these contenders, maybe siphoning off or yourself off in complete isolation from society to live the utopian ideal of self-sovereign money just isn't for you. Or maybe you're just waiting for that space station listing. All right, so kind of fun. Um, Mont St. Michael is actually my choice. If you haven't seen Mont St. Michael, uh, I can't even remember where it is, but that thing is beautiful. Uh, Search it. That thing is is the absolute ideal of a citadel. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. Also, another selection of mine would be Richard Garriott, the guy who uh, is behind the franchise of video game franchise of Ultima Online and now has a a few other things going. Uh, The castle that he built for himself in Austin, Texas, up in the hills by Bee Caves is also pretty damn impressive. It comes complete with a, uh, with a observatory, you know, with telescope and the whole retracting door on the dome and shit like that. Uh, apparently that particular property has several smaller properties because from what I've understood, Richard Garriott likes to have a bunch of his friends come and stay with him so they can, uh, be, do their whole society of anachronistic, whatever the SCA guys. And they apparently have mock sword fights and stuff. Anyway, lots of fun, <laughs> lots of fun. If we get enough cash to buy a Citadel, um, definitely be looking at Hogwarts. I actually didn't think that place was a real, you know, set. I mean, seriously, I mean, I had, I thought the whole thing was fake, but whatever. In in either event, there's your morning roundup. All right. So the song for the day is coming at you from pirate beach bum at pirate beach bum on Twitter. He replied to one of my twits with a uh, song from Damien Marley. Um, and I, it dawned on me at that moment that I have never, not once that I can remember played a piece of reggae. Reggae it is.
them deal with mankind all my girls start back Justice are where the youths them need overall The way them deal with mankind Hey yo, and then she now got cry for no guy in no tree piece suit No, no pretty boy in no Chris Nike boot She no fall for no dapper, she no cry for no dupe She shed those lonely tears for the little ghetto youths We're falling starry, starry, ex-news and cleaner Food might be dirty but his heart is much cleaner Than those politicians fighting down sensimenia And get up every day, them walk and run this arena train wreck gonna be brought to you by brad garlinghouse he's responding to a tweet from coindesk that says xrp will have another lackluster year in 2020 galaxy digital ceo mike novogratz recently told a room full of financial advisors apparently brad didn't you know being the the progenitor of the hobo wine that is xrp or ripple as the case may be um he didn't like that so he he fires back with this little nugget <clears throat> is this thing on? Can I get a fact check on Isle Coindesk? XRP has outperformed BTC in the broader crypto market in 2020. XRP is up 44%, 19.1 to 27.5 versus BTC's 33%, 7,100 to 9,500 so far this year. Hashtag facts matter.
Now, the thing that I love the most about Brad Garling's house tweet is the whole XRP is up from 19.1 to 27.5. What is that, Mike? Or Brad? Is that dollars? No. No, it's not, Brad. That's pennies. Cents. See, Brad's not including like a dollar sign or the cents sign, which I haven't actually seen the cents sign used in so long, it's not even funny. That's how devalued the dollar has become. Go try to find me the cents sign. See, you go try to find anybody that says where they actually put like 98 and the little C with the, with the line through it. See if you see that anywhere in the news. No, you won't. You won't because... Pennies at this point are worthless, just like Ripple or Hobo Wine or XRP, depending on how you want to label that garbage pile. In either event, it's disingenuous for Brad to not denote the fact that he's talking about 19.1 cents to 27.5 cents versus BTC's $7,100 to $9,500, which is actually now... Uh, What are we sitting at? $9,772, Brad. And of course, Brad's getting an earful from the crypto community. Uh, But I mean, his disingenuousness is pretty much unmatched by anybody. Well, Justin's son rivals uh, Brad Garlinghouse at this point. Uh, But the two of them, God forbid they ever get together and have a love child. Oh, I can't imagine the scam shit coin that comes out of that horrific union. In either event, there's your smoldering pile. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. Ahem. Why don't vampires bet on horses? They can't handle the stakes. I got to turn something like that into a a joke for the carnivores out there. Uh, I'll figure that one out later. Um, Okay, so yeah, Brad Garlinghouse basically lying through his teeth. We got Justin's son uh, having dinner with... (laughs) Oh, Having dinner with Warren Buffett, yeah, it it just dawned, it, it it was brought to my didn't dawn on me. It was brought to my attention that uh, in that tweet storm that Justin Sun put out to regale his holiness's presence in of with Warren Buffett, um, that he had uh, was planning on meeting with Buffett in ten years. Buffett's eighty nine years old. Buffett will be 99 years old the next time him and Justin's son meet. Apparently, that was a promise that uh, Justin said Warren made to him. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but my God, 99 years old. <clears throat> Speaking of old age, Rip Kirk Douglas, who died yesterday at 103 years of age. You want to talk about a swinger, or not a swinger. The the man went down swinging. That's what I was trying to say. I mean, 103. For somebody, I mean, he survived Hollywood to 103. I mean, dude, it kills better people than that, like way younger. At least, if not their life, certainly their careers. Because at one point or another, they'll say something and then get ostracized and are delete. Uh, delete culture is just like on fire to the point that you pretty much can't do anything. But dude, Kirk Douglas, 103, 
Hats off to you, bro, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.